Hi everybody, what's going on? It's Tony Lane here. This is my podcast. I'm excited to welcome everyone along today. I can't believe it. We're here at episode seven and I'm talking about how I came to love cigar box guitar. Don't forget now, if you like what you hear, why not share that joy with a friend? Share the link, post it online, it's all good. Hey, psst, come here. Why not head over to CBG Chop Shop on Facebook at CBG Chop Shop. Find out a bit more about cigar box guitar. We've got more info about Cigar Box Guitar, stuff like building tips, playing, general interest stuff, and the other random CBG-related nonsense as well. So check it out sometime. Now, okay, last week I talked about self-playing pianos, nasty old nuns, public humiliation, and how all this related to playing Cigar Box Guitar with confidence. Now, if that means absolutely nothing to you, perhaps you've missed last week's episode, so head on back and take a listen. Meanwhile, I'm going to jump ahead a little this week and move to the UK era for me. I arrived arrived about 1992 after several months of traveling and backpacking, pretty much burning all the money I'd accumulated up to that point. Lots of stories in there, but in essence, I arrived with very little. And after couch surfing at a fellow traveler's place in Newcastle, that's the UK one, not the place in Oz where I was born, I traveled down to my sister Angela's place. Now, she used to live in Newcastle as well in Australia, but uh, she was in London at the time, living and working there. So this was pretty lucky for me, really. As I say, I had run out of cash. But after a while, she got sick of the side of me, of course. So I shifted out to West London and um, stayed there for a little bit and then moved back to the region that I now know and love as East London. And I moved into an area called Leighton, which was in Waltham Forest Borough. I kept getting told that Antipodeans move out west to Kilburn and places like that after the traditional Earl's Court became way too fashionable and expensive, but the East was a lot cheaper, I found, and so in my usual contrarian way, that's where I went. It was a large old shared, I I guess, Victorian place that I moved into. It had about five bedrooms and it was huge, really solid places they were, and still very cheap to rent at the time, which was very appealing. Um, it was a fun house by all means. As I say, there were people moving in and out of it all the time, uh, but it wasn't without its issues to be sure. But all in all, I remember it very fondly indeed. I lived in a couple of places in Leighton and uh, on the same road, actually. We moved about four doors up from the original one um, on Grove Green Road. It, it was a stone's throw from uh, the local, uh, I guess, uh, it was called the Northcote. It was a fairly regular haunt, and uh, at the time, it was a fairly standard traditional style of London pub with rundown decor and furniture pretty much to match, as well as the locals. It was run by a, a pretty crusty old landlady called Bernie, and she was a salt of the earth Irish style of, style of lass. And you know, once you got to know her and her particular peculiar ways, she was a good old stick, and we had quite a few good old lock-ins in there as well, which was part of the benefit of being seen as a local. Now, when I first arrived in Leighton, a huge scar was being driven through the middle of it um, with the building of what was what has become known as the M11 motorway. It took out a lot of houses on the very road that I was on, Grove Green Road, and drew a lot of protesters, even the famous Swampy. And I believe it was him, uh, but at least one of the protesters nestled themselves in a mature old tree that was in line for felling. He stayed there for days on end in protest and refused to come down. This was all good fun, and it was all 
part of the wonderment to me at that stage, having been traveling in remote, quiet places for ages, this being my first real time in busy old London to speak of. So I recall, you know, a couple of times getting a six pack with a fellow housemate and heading on up to sit on a fence nearby and see the goings on with the searchlights and the police and the helicopters all buzzing around for this one singular lone protester in a tree. It was good fun. I guess uh, that's when I first started to see then the sort of disproportionate response the tours of the elite and authority would give to any public disorder. These days, they don't even really bother to disguise that, do they? Anyway, what I was getting at was when I arrived in the UK, I'd kind of lost about a year of musical influences. I'd sort of lost touch with music. I guess it happens to all of us. But for me, it was that series of events, I guess you could say the move from Australia, the extended travelling, the new scene and unfamiliarity, all conspired for me to sort of lose track of that whole musical uh, scene. When I got back to the UK, I had some catching up to do. Um, for some reason or another, I guess I lo- I'd lost all the channels that I used to get used to get that musical feed. Anyway, it wouldn't be a few years on. I'd, I'd stumbled across an advert uh, or something anyway that put me in onto a guy called Chicken Bone John, who even back then was a, a very highly regarded UK cigar box guitar player. Long story short, he was uh, holding a CBG building workshop, and he guaranteed that you'd walk away with a basic CBG which was a stick, a box, and some strings and tuners, of course, and also a tune in your pocket. So what's not to like? Anyway, it wasn't in London, as it happened. I seem to recall that uh, maybe he intended to do one but had to cancel it. Anyway, this one was some way off from where I was living. Uh, It was in Kent, and from memory, um, that place in Kent was Raynham. I can't be sure of that, but I think it started with an R. While it was only about 15 miles away, it's a laughable distance in Australia, but in the UK and particularly from London, it's a, it's a bit of a commitment really, in particular if you were travelling as I was travelling, which was by public transport. Anyway, I decided to take the plunge, paid over the money. It wasn't a lot f- in for the day in my view. I can't recall now. It might have been 60 or 70 quid. But in, in the end, it did take me well over an hour to get there. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I took the plunge. I decided to get outside my comfort zone and do something to drag myself along that particular journey. Now, there is a theory or something that that talks about the deliberateness of your intent and action and how that leads to your final destination. And I like to look at it, and I've seen it done this way. You've got two axes. So you've got your success on the vertical, say time on the horizontal. And you kind of plot your point from where you are now to your point in the distance at your uh, deliberate uh, goal, if you like, which would be on a on a sort of shallow incline from zero on the um, the joint of the axis up, say maybe 15, 20 degrees from the from, from the time axis. So, what uh, what it is you're plotting along that uh, that deliberate strategy line, and what happens along there, you'll find that most people don't even make it to that point that deliberate strategy point, even with the ones with the best intentions. Now, what happens? Only a real, really small percentage of people end up in that place they expected to be. For instance, like I'm not an astronaut. Well, I'm, astronaut wasn't really where I wanted to be, but if I'm truthful, I really wanted to be a rally car driver, and that never really happened. You only really have a very small chance of getting that guess right. What does happen if you take deliberate steps to your goal is that something will happen, something will emerge, And that is what is called the emerging strategy. Your final destination 
will almost inevitably be a pivot from that deliberate strategy line to your desired destination. Now, this isn't my thinking at all. I take no credit for it uh, at all, but it does make some sort of sense to me. And I'm sure you can go and Google it somewhere and find out whose work it is, but I'm just saying it's not mine. So uh, that's what Google's for. But, But anyway, the key is you need to actually take that decision and put yourself on that deliberate strategy path if you're ever going to see that emerging strategy happen. If you do not pick a deliberate strategy, then the emerging strategy will not appear. Those that become successful, they do so deliberately by moving forward and picking a bit off that deliberate strategy line every day. I don't guess here ended the lesson. Hey, listen, please feel free to like and share this podcast with your friends. And don't forget to visit at CBG Chop Shop. That's all one word, CBG Chop Shop, on Facebook for more info and CB-related fun stuff. Talk soon now. Meanwhile, this is Tony Lane signing off. Thanks, guys. Over and out.